Hey, what's going on, people? It's Jay Good at StraightOutTheDen.com. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the Straight Out The Den podcast. Uh, this week's podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at Lander. Uh, based in Montreal, Canada, Lander is the world's first intelligent drag-and-drop um, instant mastering service by Mixed Genius. So, um, you know, just for being a listener to today's podcast, what we're going to do is give you a free trial. All you got to do is go over to Lander.com. That's L-A-N-D-R.com slash promo slash S-O-D-D. Um, you go there, you're going to get two free MP threes of your master check it out um play around with the service and let me know what you think you can tweet me at straight out to den and make sure uh you you also tweet lander and let them know that you heard about them from straight out to den so look this week's podcast um we're gonna focus on the producer right i know i i get complaints here and there about how men like you know you tell us all the time that you're you know a producer but you know um Where's the information for the producer? So I took all of that in consideration. Um, I, I don't want to exclude anybody out. So I did want to specifically make this one for the producer. Um, however, uh, if you're not a producer, don't tune out. Um, the stuff that I'm going to go over today is really helpful for anybody um, in any type of business field um, in, in any dealing with any type of music as well. But, um, you know, just specifically catered to the producer and using um, the producer as an example um, for this. So uh, today we're going to talk about just a very, a very simple process here is um, making your brand attractive as a music producer. Right. So let's let's kind of paint the picture here. Right. So we all know about the placement game and, and you've heard me even talk about the placement game before. And, and you know, everybody that that's a producer at some point in time, you know, you've had dreams of having a top 100, you know, a top 40 record of being on that billboard, uh, those billboard charts. And you've even thought about, you know, winning a Grammy and, and winning some other awards. And, and, you know, all of that's great. You know, everyone should, um, you know, hope to, to be in that position and, and strive to be in those positions as well. But um, the truth of the matter is before you can get to that Grammy, before you can get to that that number one single on the charts, um, you have to make your brand attractive um, for, for somebody to even want to listen to your music or, you know, even want to work with you. So uh, today I hope to... Um, you know, give you just a few tips um, to kind of make your brand more attractive and make it more than just you, you know, talking about doing music or whatnot. So um, that's that's where we are today. So, you know, first, I'm going to start off with, you know, the, the most important thing is you got to define your brand. Right. So a lot of people say, hey, man, I'm a brand. I'm a brand. You hear that word brand thrown out, uh, around, you know, numerous of times and. and you know, every time I hear it, I automatically think, well, you know, do you know what your brand is? You know what I mean? Um, are you just calling yourself a brand because it sounds cool or it sounds like the thing to say? Or do you really know what your brand is? So I would say the first thing for any music producer out there or any, or any artist for that matter is to define your brand. Find out exactly who you are. You know, um, you know, what what do you want your music to sound like? You know, um, what, what's the right name? You know, you got to find the right name. You know, do you want to be known as your real name or do you want to have a, a quote unquote uh, producer name? Do you want to have a stage name? All of that stuff needs to be found out before you move in any further on, on making music. Um, what do you want to be known for? You know, uh, do you want to be known as the producer that makes uh, trap beats or, you know, um, southern records or um 
you know, West Coast music, East Coast music, heavy sample driven. Um, you know, what do you want to be known for when, when you leave? If, if all we had was your catalog, what do you want that catalog to stand on? And what do you want it to be known as? All of those things are very important early on in defining your brand before you can really move on to doing any other work outside of that. You know, you, you got to know exactly who you are and who do you want to identify with you and your music, right? So, you know, the, the, the one thing that, that I really want you to kind of soak in and, and remain consistent is knowing that you got to think of yourself as a product. Um, I know at times that may be hard, you know, because we, we look at we tend to look at products as things that we can actually touch and, um, you know, things that we would actually go to the store and buy and, and use for whatever um, purpose. But you, you got to start thinking as yourself as a product. And the reason why I say that is because if you think of yourself as a product, then you can easily put a value on, on yourself. Right. You don't go into Target, for example, and knowing that you want to buy, a, a, you know, T-shirts. And you don't know how much you want to spend. You know, if you walk into Target and you see T-shirts for about $20, um, then you may be thinking like, oh, that may be a little bit on the expensive side. I, I wasn't thinking about doing that. But you also know that, hey, if I'm spending $20 on this shirt, then it's perceived that it's some, you know, greater quality than the shirts that are over here for $10. So all of those things are important. If you start to think of yourself as a product, then you can place a value on yourself and you can know exactly how much you want to spend on things and how much or, or you know, things are, are uh, moving forward for you. So definitely keep that in mind, knowing yourself as a product. And, and remember this, right? When it comes to music production specifically as a product, you only have two things. You have yourself, you know, you know what you are, what you can market, um, you know, your physical being, you know, when you go into different places, you have yourself and you have the music. Those are the only two things that you can really deal with when it comes to music production, yourself and the music. So you got to find out how do I want those two things to look? How do I want that music to look and sound? How do I want myself to look and sound? All of those things make a huge difference in defining your brand and figuring out who you are um, in the marketplace. So uh, those are the first two things I want you to focus on. You know, you got to define your brand. But once you define your brand and figure out who you are and how you want to sound, then remember that, you know, it's just yourself and it's the music and you got to be unique in both of those things and you got to remain consistent so what i mean by being unique and consistent right first off with uniqueness comes there's challenges in in the way right um everybody wants to be in the music industry everybody has access to be in the music industry now the difference between today 2015 and 20 years ago was that people didn't have access to equipment. So in order to become a producer or become an artist, you had to really know somebody or you had to have money. And those are two things that a lot of people didn't tend to have. Or those were two things that actually would discourage people from going into those fields. Like, hey, I don't have X amount of dollars to be in a studio all day, you know, and pay for studio time. So I, I chose to go a different route. Or I don't know anybody that's dealing with music. So how can I get into music? Those are the two things. But now in 2015, the advancement of technology most kids around 15 or 16 years old, if you want to get into music, it's as simple as asking your mom and dad, um, like, hey, can I get a laptop for, for Christmas or whatever, or, you know, or can I get um, 
you know, Pro Tools for my birthday? Can I get a microphone for this or for that or whatever the case may be? Um, those things are pretty obtainable now and, and it's not going to cost you much. Most people can really start a, a music career with less than a thousand bucks. You know what I mean? So um, it's it's easier to do now. But what comes with that access, you have everybody that wants to do it. And so now the marketplace is crowded. Right. And, and so Here's the thing. This is why being unique is so important. Once you figure out that sound and figure out exactly what you want to do, and this may take, you know, a couple of times, there's going to be plenty of trial and error with this. You're, you're going to learn to do some stuff and then you're going to think that, hey, this is great. And then you're eventually going to find out like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like this or I'm not doing this how I want it to be. So, you know, all of those things will happen and, you know, it's, it's going to take some figuring out. So, this is just a couple of things just to look at, right? So now that you figured out that sound, now you got to keep that sound. You got you, you got to keep going and you got to keep um, being energized with uh, the delivery of everything that you're doing. You know, the, the way you're going to create all of those things are going to be important, right? So once you have that down pack, now it's the consistency. The consistency is, is simply put being able to do it on a, <laughs> over and over and over again, right? You don't want to start something and then next thing you know, people have got used to you doing it and then you stop. Well, that's inconsistency. Consistency is simply putting yourself on a schedule and keep doing it. So if you decide early on that, hey, I want to be the producer that's going to release, you know, an instrumental project every month. Well, you know, you got to be consistent with that. Or if I'm going to be that music producer that posts something on my Instagram every day. Well, you want to be consistent with that because... With consistency comes, you know, reputation. When people saying that you're doing something consistent, they tend to, you know, favor what you're doing a little bit more. Your reputation starts to build. They see like, oh, this is not a fad. This is something that this guy really, you know, enjoy do doing, you know. So we're going to keep watching. And as, as long as you you have somebody's attention and they keep watching, then you're well on your way to doing what you need to do and becoming a successful brand and making your brand attractive to everyone else. So... Now that you have, um, you know, you define that brand, you figured out exactly who you want to be as a producer um, and you have that content um, being as consistent as possible and you're unique and you know exactly um, the, the, the message that you want to put out there and you know exactly how you want everything to look. Now it's, it comes down to exposing your brand. So that's number two, the exposure of your brand right now. So there are some simple steps that you can do that they're, they're going to take some time to, to build true exposure, but um, it, it starts with actually going out there and doing those things. So first and foremost, the first thing is social media. Um, social media for the most part is free you know there are so many things that you can do right now to just start building that momentum and, and getting people to put yourself out there and for one for people to know that hey this is what you're doing i'm a music producer so you know there of course there's facebook you can start your own facebook fan page um and you know your artist page and you can start going out there and growing your community that way it's a great tool um, you can set up different campaigns, ad campaigns and things of that nature is great. Of course, you have Twitter. Uh, Twitter is, is more so free flowing conversation. You can come out there and put short jabs and sh short thoughts on what's going on in your head and be creative with it, man. Find out ways that you can engage with your audience, you know, the right way. If you want to put something out there like, hey, um, this is my daily um, 
music blog or a music journal like hey this is what i sample today or hey this is um my instrument of choice today things like that that are engaging and, and get people to having a conversation with you and you're going back and forth all of those things kind of create a a community around um your brand and it makes you more um personable and people start to think like well hey I like what this guy's doing. Maybe, you know, he or she has some, some, some good music that I want to hear. So, you know, it may impulse me to check it out. Um, all of those things, Tumblr, Tumblr's huge now, you know, you want to get on Tumblr and, and go out there and expose your brand and, and put all of those things up on there. Um, I'm me for one, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Periscope right now. Um, and for those that don't know about Periscope is the best way that I describe it is kind of like Snapchat meets you stream so it's live it's a live video feed um people can chat with you and you know um they'll send in questions and things of that nature and you can kind of answer them live on the spot and people can kind of get you know your world through through the lens of your your phone your whatever device you're using it's a very dope app um i'm, I'm into it i like it and the thing is you can connect with people all over the world you can kind of see where they're they're um streaming live from you can see what they're doing at that time so it's real neat um um, just a quick little tool if you're a music producer it may be a good idea to kind of stream making a beat one day um, people are engaged with that people like seeing that type of content they want to know how this was created you know showing them you know different tools and and how you did this or what different drums and things of that nature that you use may be interesting to the um, your, your consumer and, and may start to make you a little more attractive um, as a music producer and attractive in your brand uh, one thing about social media that a lot of people tend to forget is that you want to make sure that you um, you want to sync everything together, right? So if I'm on Twitter, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm leaving links in my Twitter bio of my IG or my, you know, um, other things like, hey, check me out here. You want to have all those links in your bio of each social media, anywhere that you can leave a link that is going to kind of link back to something else. You want to do that. That creates great SEO. Uh, we won't get into that today. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Um and something that I still I'm still doing research on, so I don't want to give you any uh, bad information on that. Um, most importantly, you you, you got to network, right? Um, you you've heard me talk about this word networking. Networking is the most important thing that you can do in in any arena, and in, in, no matter if you're a music producer, an artist, um, if you're working in corporate America, you got to network because networking is essentially having conversations with people that you don't know so that they can help build your future later on. That's all it is. You know, you got to engage with people. You got to find out about people. You know, what are they doing? Uh, what, what's important about them so that, you know, we can engage and have a, a genuine conversation and, you know, see if we can help each other. That's that's what it's all about. Um the best place to network as a music producer is you got to go to these shows, right? The the beauty of going to a show is that you actually see a lot of artists perform and seeing artists perform kind of helps you know, you know, what artists you want to deal with. You know, there's nothing better than going to a show and there's, you know, 10 artists performing and, you know, you notice that there's one artist that in particular that, you know, he did a great job, but he's rapping over, you know, instrumentals from somebody else, a popular song or, you know, whatever the hot song is um, of the month or whatever. Well, me being a producer, the first thing that I would notice is to say, is to say like, hey, well, this guy's great, but he needs a producer behind him. So, 
that's when you're at the show, that's the time to reach out to that artist and say like, hey, man, I'm a producer. This is what I do. I, I love your performance. I, you know, I just I couldn't happen. But to notice that you're rapping over other people's instrumentals that, you know, do you need beats? Um, let's work. You know, let's see what we can do. And, 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 you know, engage that way. That's one of the key things to do is network and being at those live shows and seeing different artists perform. That's one of the easiest things that you can do as a music producer. Um, of course, email lists and things like that, those are all great. Um, I won't go too deep into email lists because, you know, the first thing is you got to have things rolling before you kind of have people trusting you with an email. So what I'll do is kind of skip that and go right into having a website. As a producer, probably the most important thing you can do is have a website. Now, um, I'm not necessarily saying have a website so you can have your beats up there. Um, I'm Me personally, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um I'm not knocking anybody that do it. I know plenty of producers that made a lot of money off of SoundClick and, and all of those things. I'm just more so of the producer that has that stance of I love to build relationships and work with artists on projects and things like that. Um, by all means, use SoundClick if that's what you you know you enjoy and cranking out those beats like that. That's that's cool. You can do that. But for me, when I say have a website, I'm talking about having a website up that has all your social media clearly laid out. You have, um, you know, your bio laid out, what you do, and, and then you have your discography laid out. And, and the thing is about discography, a lot of people become discouraged when you don't have a huge discography. Well, guess what? You got to start somewhere. If I'm a new artist and I don't have anything and I'm looking for producers and I see a producer that has a website, number one, I'm like, oh, man, this guy has a website. It seems professional. You know, that's the first thing. And then if I go to the website and everything looks good, it's a, it's a well put together website. And I see that this guy has an about page. He has his bio up here. Um, and, you know, I see that she has, um, you know, her discography up here. And it's like, oh, she worked with this person, this person and that person. And even if those people are not like huge, successful people, it shows that you care about your product and you took the time out to, to list all of those different projects that you're working on. That's great. You know, you want to start there and, and having that really helps engage with with your audience you know all of those things are setting you apart from the next person like i said before this is a flooded industry everybody's a producer everybody's an artist everybody is doing pr everybody's doing all of this stuff that's dealing with music so you got to figure out how to stand out um you know from the rest of the pack you know and, and one of those ways to do it is just have a professional website even if you got to save up the money and have somebody design it for you it's worth it there are plenty of templates out there that you can do it yourself but um if you don't know that how to do that hire somebody that does know how to do that and just make sure that they're not you know taking you um for a ride and you know you're spending hundreds and thousands of dollars um you know hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars let me correct that um you know trying to have this website built there are plenty of things out there squarespace um you know there's wordpress and all of that that you know with templates that you can pretty much put a, a, a decent site together uh, with not that much of a headache so those are the things there those are the first two things so you know number one to find that brand and number two just you know figuring out the exposure for your brand using social media and of course your website and going to shows and networking with different artists um, now the third thing is is really more so of a statement my thing is don't chase those placements um, you know at, at the beginning portion of the podcast we talked about that placement game and, and you know having those dreams of hitting the top 100 and the Grammys and all of that and those things are great you know and typically what what happens for a lot of producers is they get caught up in that game they get caught up in that race of trying to make placements and 
kind of forget to, you know, define all of those other things in their career first, you know, so it's it's off to the races. I want to be a producer. All right, my goal is to get on Jay-Z's album and get nominated for a Grammy. And, you know, they go. And there's nothing wrong with having those dreams. I, I don't want you to hear this and think that I'm saying not to have those dreams. You, you, you got to have those dreams at all times. Um, but you just want to be strategic in that, you know. So if you, if you focus on chasing placements, what tends to happen is that, you know, you don't get get one within the you know reasonable time that you think and so it you become discouraged you know and and, um with discouragement comes you know thinking that hey maybe i can't do this maybe i'm not cut out to be a producer maybe and and next thing you know maybe you're, you're changing your sound to get a placement so now you're trying to sound like everything that's on the radio and what you do you 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 lose that uniqueness that we talked about in defining your brand so don't chase those placements um instead what I would suggest doing is find one or two artists. I, I say two because with two artists, you can kind of, you know, shape your sound uh, with each one and kind of work two different markets if you want to do that. If it's two rappers that you want to work with, that's fine. Um, but maybe you want to work with a rapper and you want to work with somebody in the R&B field. Um, the reason why I say focus on finding two artists to work with is because think about the greats, right? Think about um, Neptune's. You know, Timbaland, Dr. Dre, Organized Noise, you know, um, these are some of my favorite producers, by the way. But what is one thing that they all have in common? They all came in the game with an artist that they broke. Right. So with, with the Neptunes, of course, we have the clips. Right. They, they came in the game with the clips and they made all the, the clips, produced the clips whole album and made sure that everything sounded great. And, you know, all of a sudden they broke, you know, um, Timbaland, you know, he had Missy, he had, um, you know, Aaliyah, Genuine, all those artists, they, they kind of broke with, with artists before they were able to, you know, get out there and do everything on their own. Dr. Dre had Snoop, you know, um, and, and you know, in the, the, the later part of his career that really broke him as a solidified producer or NWA, if you want to go even further back, um, organized noise, you know, you had Goody Mob and you had, um, Outkast. You know, all of those things really help solidify these people as a producer. And and typically what happens if you find two artists and you focus on those two artists and you do everything in your power to make them great artists. Right. And you, you break them. Then guess what? Instead of you chasing a sound, everybody will chase your sound. It happens all the time. You look with, with an artist right now that's current, like with, with a, a, a Drake, right? Um, when Drake broke and now all of a sudden everybody's calling 40. You know, everybody wants that filtered out sound um, that Drake has all of a sudden. You know, even with, with an artist like Future. Um, Future broke now. You have everybody calling, you know, Mike Will made it and wanted his sound or soft side or, you know, uh, Metro Boomin' like um, Zaytoven and Gucci man when those those artists you see when you work with a, a, a certain artist as a producer and that artist break then it happens you start getting calls and everybody say like hey man I want a beat that sounds like this or you know Manny Fresh and Hot Boys and, and, and Cash Money as a whole all of those things happen if you find a you know one or two artists to really focus in on and, and really make that artist as great as you possibly can guaranteed it will happen you will start to see that man you know 
people like my sound and, and you're going to start getting those calls. So I, I say all that to say is just don't chase those placements. Those placements will, will come and they'll chase you if you do everything the right way. Um, now, a, another thing to do if, if you um, have followed that route and you don't want to chase those placements is you can actually make a compilation album. And the, the beauty of a compilation album, of course, is that you're, you're dealing with, you know, multiple artists, you know. Now, of course, you got to deal with some scheduling conflicts that that happens. But um, you're dealing with a compilation album. You might have five or, you know, all the way up to 10 or 15 artists that you're working with on a project. And what's great about that is that that's 15 people, different people in different camps that can help market your album, which is essentially will market you and your brand. So. It's, it's, it's a great and it's almost an easy way. Like you got to do the hard work up front. But once you do that hard work and you put out a solid project that everybody loves and, and the whole team will start to believe in that. And you'll you'll have people talking about you and you don't even have to talk about yourself. And once you get to that point, that's when you know that you did a genius level, had a genius level idea and people are starting to expose your brand for you. And as long as you did the right thing early on and define your brand and know exactly what you want to do with your sound. Um, and, you know, you've done your, your early laid that foundation of the different exposure with your net social networks and, you know, going out and networking with people. Then when they hear something, they can match two and two together. Right. So it's like, oh, this guy has a compilation album. You got 10 to 15 people talking about it that work with the project they're promoting it somebody their fan base is jumping on it now all of a sudden everybody knows about you as a producer so that's um just a few things now um and and also come up with a memorable way to uh, deliver that content and you know me saying that reminds me that we do have a guest on today's podcast um and he actually chose the the second option um, instead of chasing those placement. He he actually made a compilation album. Um, and our, our guest today is a meticulous uh, producer um, out of New York. He, he talks about his journey on how he actually made it to New York and interning at Fat Beats and, um, you know, talking about this new project, um, the meticulous LP and how that came about and the different people that he worked with. He worked with so many artists on that project. Um, and I'm going to let him actually detail that. Um, but, you know, before we get into that interview, we did have a couple of questions. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I, I got those answered from the people. And actually just, um, I think we're only going to have time for one um, right now, I believe. I'm going to check again. Um, it was from uh, the great Coop, uh, Jay Coop, uh, who has a project out right now, um, Good Day Atlanta. You can go to gooddayatl.com to check out his project. A very dope project um, that I had some involvement with. Um, but it is dope, and that's just not me saying it because I had some involvement. It's really a dope project. Um, he, he wanted to know how to capture and keep a crowd. So I'm going to assume that uh, Coop... Oh, and his his Twitter um, is the great Coop, D-A, uh, great Coop, C-O-O-P. Um and I'm going to assume when he asked that he was talking about um, with the performance. Um, and so and just my opinion uh, with the performance on, on how to get the attention of a crowd, um, I would say the easiest thing to do, man, believe it or not, is to focus on three people. 
right when you're on stage so and, and this is how you do it when you're on stage you want to focus on somebody on the left side of the stage someone on the right side of the stage and somebody in the middle right the the most important thing that you can do in any performance is eye contact eye contact is going to make people feel weird but they're going to appreciate it later on like nobody wants to be looked dead in their in their eyes because it's, it's an uncomfortable moment to look in somebody else that you don't know but when you do that i guarantee that that person is going to remember that they're going to feel they're going to feel a little weird they're going to feel creeped out even but doing that is it, actually you know it shows that you appreciate them so my, my formula of saying that you know you're checking out all three corners of, of, of the stage right you know somebody on the right somebody on the left somebody in the center if you do that when you focus on that person in the right you're looking at them in their eyes but i guarantee the person that's three or four tables behind them is going to think that you're looking at them and three or four tables in front of them. They're going to think that you're looking at them, you know, and it just kind of worked like that. So now you're, you're all actually surveying the whole room without even trying to. Um, but, it, you know, make it make it comfortable, even if you want to uh, even a, 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 a easier trick is this. Make sure you have three friends there and have those three friends in those different places. So it's, it's three people that you know that you're comfortable with looking at if you're somebody that's uncomfortable with making eye contact with somebody. It's, it's three people that you know, so you're not going to feel uncomfortable performing to them. More than likely, they already know your music, so seeing them perform the music with you is going to get you even hyper. It's going to make you give a, a great performance, and it's going to show. Um, the other thing that I'll say with, with that performance and how to make sure you you um, you know keep um, capturing and keep a crowd is that you want to make sure that you're telling them what you want them to know. You, you can't perform and expect like if you're a new artist, more than likely they're not going to know your record. So you're out there performing to, to deaf ears almost. So a way to kind of, you know, overcome that obstacle is like tell them what the words are, you know, like, hey, I'm going to say this, this and this. I want you to say that. So it's that call and response that and, and make a simple call and response, because when they have that. It's, it makes it easier for them. They start filling the record. All of a sudden, you notice that, you know, they start learning the record and now they know the record by the end of the song. And that's also crafty songwriting as well. But we won't go too deep into that. But, you know, you got to know that everybody's not going to like your record. Everybody's going to feed off of energy. Um, also, you with a, a performance specifically depends on where you're at. So you got to know exactly where you're at, you know, know, know your audience, because there's times when people may be sitting there and they're just nodding their head and you think like, man, they're not feeling what I'm, what I'm doing, but they're actually listening to what you're saying. So if you don't have a record that's catchy and that's going to make everybody know the hook within the first 30 seconds, they're going to look at you puzzled because they're trying to hear what you're saying and they're trying to understand the music. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You just got to know that that's the audience that you're dealing with. Um, there's a great podcast on that that I did. Um, it's a while ago. You have to look it up. Um, but but I did talk about um, dealing with shows. Now, I'm going to answer the, the other part of that question if you're talking about capturing and how to keep a crowd if you're talking about just in general. Um, really, I think this podcast here really talked about that. And I know Coop is an artist, um, and I know that we're talking about music producers, but a lot of this stuff is, is really the same. You know, in order to real, truly capture a crowd, you got to know who you're performing in front of. A lot of times artists go into a performance and they're just, you know, trying to iron out the kinks. So they don't really know who they're, they're working with. They don't know who they're performing in front of. But I, I guarantee if you if you figure that part out first, like, you know, if it's a local show, um, more than likely, if you're dealing with a show is something that somebody's doing um, 
more than once. They're probably doing it either every other month or every month or every other week, excuse me. So check out one of those shows prior to performing at it and see what kind of crowd that shows up, you know, um, so you can kind of know which songs to perform. You know, find out, ask people that's been to that venue and ask them like, hey, man, um, you know, what's going on here? Like what type of audience do they have and all of that, things of that nature. Um, and, and, and Coop, just to answer that, like I said, if you're talking about just how to keep a crowd and, and keep the exposure to a crowd that don't know you um, and, and not talking about specifically um, uh, performing, but just talking about in general is you, do a survey, man. Like I, I can't stress doing surveys because once you do a survey, you figure out a crowd and, and what it is. Another thing about a survey is this is most people are just not used to being asked certain information. So if you if you hit them with that, they're not used to getting that from their artists. They're they're used to, you know, artists saying like, here, do this or buy this or, you know, come and see this. But asking somebody to do a survey, which doesn't take that much out of their day or that much time. And you know what? Offering an incentive. Say, say like, hey, man, if you do this survey, I'll give you this. Or, you know, here's stickers or, you know, here's discount off um, a promo code for my merch. All of those things kind of add to it. Like it's almost a give and take situation. You don't want to ask somebody for something and not give them anything in return. Like what's my incentive for filling out a survey for you? What's my incentive of buying some merch if I'm not getting, you know, if I, of course, if I buy merch, then I'm getting something in return. I'm paying you money and getting something back. But when you're talking about a survey, you know, you don't want to leave that one sided, you know, either give them a chance at some free merch or offer. I, I love the idea of offering a promo code like, hey, do this and give them a promo code for and, and make it inviting. Like, hey, here's if you fill out the survey, here's a promo code for 50 percent off on the merch. Now, here's the key to that. Right. When you do that, just know that a 50 percent off um, discount for, for merch, it works in your favor because I guarantee out of the 100 people that fill out that survey and get that promo code. Only about 10% is going to take advantage of that. And so that 10%, you offer that code to everybody. They can use it at any given time. They can come back and use it. But that 10% that do it, you got to think of that that cost for that. You know, 10% of people spend in, you know, $30 with you and they're going to get 50% off. So you, you got 10 people spending $15. That's $150. That's income that came in that you wouldn't have had. But on top of all of that, you have valuable information with a survey and that survey should ask um, just a couple of things. Ask basic demographic info, um, ask for, you know, social media, emails, all of that stuff. Um, you know, ask questions about specifically about your product and your your brand. Like, what is it that you want to see from my brand or what is it that you like or dislike? Ask all of those questions so you have that information and now you can go back and either make changes or you can um you know, layer up and figure out like, maybe I should do this more, or maybe I should do that more. So all of those things kind of help out, um, to really building your brand. So, um, hopefully I answered that question. Um, good enough for you, Coop. Once again, that's Jay Coop, um, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Everything is the great Coop with a D A G R E A T C O O P. And, and definitely check out his project. Good day Atlanta. You can go to gooddayatl.com. Um, and, and check that out. It's definitely worth the time um, on that. So, um, yeah, like I said, we're going to go ahead and get into the interview with Meticulous. Um, we do have a, a, a dope conversation with him um, that I think that you guys would definitely enjoy um, and everything that he had to say as far as um, with this new project. So, uh, yeah, man, um, we're going to go to 
Oh, I'm tripping. I forgot about our sponsor, man. Um, A3C. A3C is coming to town, Atlanta. Um, October 7th through the 11th. So look, if you if you want to participate in the festival, it's one of the largest hip hop festivals um, in the U.S. Um, it's all three coasts. That's what A3C stands for. So you got the East Coast, the Gulf Coast, and, and the West Coast. They all come together, man, in the city and just really make for a dope hip hop festival right here in Atlanta. And so if you want to... Ch- um, Go to the festival and you want to save a little money uh, just for being a listen to the podcast. All you got to do is go go to uh, A3Cfestival.com slash passes. You go there and enter the promo code A3C15 straight out the den. If you spell straight out the den, that's S-T-R, the number 8, O-U-T-D-A-D-E-N. If you go there and use that code, you're going to get $15 off. Um, is is it's, it definitely works. I've tried it. It, it does work. Um, you're going to get $15 off. And hey, why not save some money just by being a listener to the podcast? So once again, go to uh, A3Cfestival.com slash passes. And uh, once you go there, just enter the promo code A3C15, um, the number 15, and straight out the den. So, And I also have all of that in the show notes just in case you guys missed it. Um, so yeah, man, without further ado, we're going to get right into uh, the conversation with Meticulous. Um, and you guys let me know what you think. See you again next week. Hey, what's going on, people? It's Jake Good at StraightOutTheDen.com. Um, today, man, on the podcast, we've got a very special guest. Uh, this guy here is actually, now that I think about it, he was one of the first um, producers that I int- um, interviewed a while back. Um, and, and this was, I, I think, almost two years ago now. Um you know, some of the early stages of StraightOutTheDen.com and, and really before the podcast even took off, uh, we interviewed this guy. Um, and, you know, you, you've definitely seen the name around and, and you've heard the music. Um, but help me welcome the homie Meticulous to the uh, podcast. How you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. Thanks for having me. No, no doubt, man. Like like I said before, man, like you were one of the first um, producers uh, that, that I interviewed. And, you know, it's just... I think at the time, I'm trying to think what what was the project that was out. Um, I think it was um, it was a project that I put out in 2013, I believe, with uh, John Quest, um, the the no runs, no reruns EP. I think I think so. It it was that and. Um, I wanna, man, I want to say it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, we, we did have that conversation and, and, you know, it was a great conversation at that and a lot of things came out. And I know we got the, um, the information behind your, you know, your name and, you know, why you chose to spell it the way you do and, and all of the, you know, things that you do as like, as far as like having things lowercase, you know, we found out all of that, that history. Um, but, but today, man, like I know you got the new project out, the, uh, the, the meticulous LP and you got everybody on that thing, um, you know, and, and I definitely want to get into that. But, you know, like I said, with this podcast, man, we, we cater to the um, the indie audience. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different subjects uh, that we can go on. And, and I think that now that I have you on the line, man, and you have been a producer, um, I want to focus on, on, on a couple of things, um, you know, and just try to get that understanding because there are a lot of producers out there that are trying to make it in this business of music and, you know, and they, and they need some of that guidance. So, um, you know, I guess we can start first off with your story, man. Like you, you're a Brooklyn producer, um, from, uh, well, by way of, uh, Pennsylvania and, um, right, yeah. you know, your, your journey, man, uh, you know, I'm doing all the talking. I'm gonna let you talk, man. Tell us about your journey, man. Like how, how did you get from Pennsylvania to Brooklyn? What brought you there? And, and you know, um, so on and so forth. Um, 
the short version is um, I I uh, moved out here from Pennsylvania. I went to college in PA. Moved out here, started doing an internship uh, with Fat Beats, um, and then I built from there. I worked for Fat Beats from 2004 to 2010, and then by 2010, I was um, I just wanted to focus on my music um, as opposed to kind of being behind the scenes in the business aspect of it. So. Um, yeah, and I mean, while I was working there, I was kind of just uh, learning uh, learning what type of music I wanted to make. And then by uh, 2011 is when I released my first uh, official uh, project um, on Fatbeats uh, called The Meticulous EP, which is available on vinyl. Um, it's, it's sold out through Fatbeats uh, distribution, but I still have a few copies. Um, which you can get on my Bandcamp page. It's meticulous21.bandcamp.com. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much the short and sweet of it. Yeah. You know, I I remember now, man, it was, uh, the project you did with, um, audible doctor. That's what it was. Oh, work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the manual. Yeah. 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 yeah, That was the project, man. I, I, it had lost, you know, I was trying to think about it at the time, but yeah, man, you know, so you started that thing off like really, Almost like um well I'll say a humbling um type type you know situation where you you go from being in Pennsylvania you're like man I want to get to New York I want to you know figure out this music thing and the first thing you did was took up an internship um at, at Fat Beats which is you know a very popular um store and uh, during that time and it's just like to go there what was the biggest difference you know what I mean like being growing up in Pennsylvania to like now being like right in the dead center of like, you know, where hip hop started. Uh, it was night and day, man. It was really overwhelming. Um, I remember my first, my first day interning at the store. It was just kind of like, they told you not to be too overwhelmed by it because you don't want to, you don't want to project that, um, to your customers. You don't want to be the person that's in awe. You want the customers to be in awe of the store, not you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, you got to hold yourself in check. And I feel like that's the motto for, for New York period. You know, everybody, uh, you know, it's a tough place to thrive in this city, mm-hmm. uh, especially as an, an artist, as in an artist uh, fashion, uh, because it seems like everybody's out for themselves and you just got to, you got to find your way and find, uh, find a fan base uh, within that. Yeah, man, I think that's some sound advice too, man. Just like being being in that environment where, like you said, there's there's so many arterial motives and there's so many people that's trying to do what you're doing, and you don't know if it's you know if if people are rocking with you genuinely or is it just kind of like, um, well, maybe I can kind of feed off of them to get my foot in the door type thing, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. There, there is um, the majority of that. It's, it's like um, I don't know. Kind of frustrating because mm-hmm. my my thing is I would like to build to get together with certain people you know like come up together and and have like a unit you know like um, native tongues or like the Soulquarians or, or something like that that's yeah, what I envision for myself but when I got here it's just you know a lot of a lot of like stepping on people to get where you want and stuff like that so you just got to kind of keep your head level and then focus on what you want to focus on and. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, it'll work out all right. Yeah, man, I I feel you, and and, and it's one of those things where it, it happens everywhere you go. You know what I mean? And, and 
it's just really a matter of of finding your your niche in that market and and figuring out how to i guess like coexist with everybody in a sense man um this this project that you're doing and like i said i do want to get into uh to the project i know the first record that you released off of it was actually the intro right um with your old drew um yeah that's right how, how did that like how did you guys connect you know what i mean that that's not I don't. I, I wouldn't expect that that to be number one, the intro of your project, but number two, just to be like, hey, out of nowhere, we get this. This um, the timing was perfect, by the way, too. I, I don't know if that was something. I don't know if that's something that you planned or what, but it was just no, like you know. I mean, um, I you know I've heard, I heard him I heard his um, mix CD uh, the the first joint he dropped online, and then you know there was a huge buzz saying that he was Nas and everything like that. And I didn't realize that my boy, uh, Skiz, DJ Skiz, uh, was producing for him. And, um, we, you know, we were introduced through him. And, uh, I actually had that beat. I had my album mapped out, like every, mm-hmm. every track I wanted in order. And I, I knew I wanted that to be the intro. And I thought he would have, would have been perfect for it. So, you know, I, I, I gave him the joint. He was down and knocked it out. And, um, it turned out great. And, Nobody really, um, nobody really releases their intro track, and you know I thought it was kind of uh, interesting, so I, I, yeah. I kind of went with it, um, and it just kind of you know sort of whetted your appetite for for the rest of the album. Yeah, man. Like like I said, when I heard it, it was a bold move because you you don't get that many people releasing an intro as the you know the the lead single if you if you would um from a project i mean that just typically doesn't happen and but right. you know it did set the tone for you know even the, the vocal samples that you used in there and the, the audio clip uh saying like you know meticulous and, and everything it it felt you know right and and to hear that as the first like introduction to the project you know it it, it it did it it set the tone you know what i mean it definitely set the tone for for what you had to come with this thing man and you know um like so we got we had your old drew going here we got little fame master ace blue rod digger man like dude what what you are obviously like great at networking if anything like those are not i'm actually terrible really terrible networking yeah because i i um i'm the type of dude that uh i really want to have uh relationships with people before Mm -hmm. i work with them and um you know it a lot of times it's like, you know, you want somebody on your album, they ask you how much it is or how much they will do it for. And then it's just like, boom, boom, boom. I like to have, um, you know, some sort of groundwork before we make music. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, it take, takes me a lot longer to um, build those relationships because I'm not out. I'm not out networking all the time, which, you know, it, it kind of it kind of hurts, but I, I think it helps sometimes too just because like those relationships that I make are a little bit stronger because you know you take a little bit more time um but yeah you know it was uh it was dope I'm blessed to to be able to have people that I um respect and actually listen to uh coming up on my my project yeah man you know that thing that you said though about building those relationships you know it's so vital man just in any 
I think any um, level of, of the game, you know, you have a lot of people that, of course, you, you run across people that say like, oh, you know, talk to my manager or, you know, uh, here's yeah. here's my budget X, Y, Z, if you can hit it, whatever, if not, you know, but I think building that solid relationship, because as a producer, man, like you, you don't want to get in that situation where you're just throwing out tracks and like whoever, you know, wants to jump on and kind of jump on, you know, you, you, yeah. You don't want that to happen, so you got to build those. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, because I mean, you'll get a, you'll get a producer album that's just like littered with guests, and and like you you can't really tell one song from the next because it's just a beat with three rappers rapping three separate verses on it. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's tough to conceptualize producer albums, but I definitely wanted to have it have a streamlined um, listening experience, like the front to back. So yeah, you know, staying right there where you're at, man, with it. What what was that underlining, you know, um, theme of the album, if you would say, just to for those that haven't heard the project, what what do you feel is like that one um, thing that the reason why they would want to hear this? Um, that's actually tough to answer. Um, how I made it was in the vein of you know a class when I listened to something that I consider to be a classic album. Um, you can you can listen to one song at a time if you want, but you're more inclined to say, hey, I'm going to put it on a track one, and I'm going to let it rock all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that was my main my main goal, and, uh, you know, hopefully I was able to achieve that. Yeah, man, I, I think so, and I'm not just saying that because you're actually doing this interview, man. I was, I was listening to the project really before you... Um, called in and just like man this this project is very cohesive you know you have these different features on it but it almost felt and i don't know you can tell us if this was the case but it felt like everybody was in the room together the whole time the album was being created and you really you know directed everybody said like hey man this is where i want you to be on this and this is the story that i need you to tell on this it felt like you know it, it it gave me that feeling of honestly like a Illmatic album, you know what I mean? Like where you had all of those different producers in the room and different artists in the room, and it was like, yo, this is what we want, you know, we want this to happen and everything, you know, from a producer standpoint, I want this to be the cohesive theme of it, and, and it felt so right, you know? How was well, that? Illmatic, that's uh, that's really dope. I'm uh, uh, that's nice to hear, man. I appreciate that. Oh that's yeah, like no, the bar. no, that's like the bar for all. <laughs> records. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I was lucky to be in the room with um, the majority of everybody uh, that is on the record, with the exception of um, the, the cats from Pittsburgh that I, that I worked with, um, because I wasn't able to get back that way. But I was I was in the studio with uh, Bane and Rod Digga and Ace um, and Drew and uh, um yeah, yeah, pretty much every every New York based artist I was I was in the studio with. Um but uh yeah, like I feel I feel like if as a producer if you have a vision and you're honest and the artists that you're working with are open to, to sharing that vision and um you're you're able to just create something that that's uh that's complete, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've always been an advocate of like, man, if you're a producer, you definitely want the people to be in the room. Like, of course, there are times when you that just can't happen. You know what I mean? And and I get it. You know, you got to make do with what you have. And luckily today we have technology that 
you can almost feel like you're in the room anyway. You know what I mean? But um, right. th- to be in that room, you can really hear the difference. You know, it's it's you can hear the creative process almost like bleed through the music. And, and to be able to do that, I now that you're telling me that, I can tell, I can really hear it in the music. It, it felt like you guys were like literally going from making a beat to having a conversation to them laying it down. You guys listening to it over and over in the studio saying like, oh man, we can probably do this better. Let's bring this back. Or, you know, oh, I can add these drums here. Let me add those. And then, you know, now there's a different cadence and all of that um, that the rapper can go on and say like, oh, I want to say it this way or that way. It, it just felt like that with the whole project. Um you know, I, I love the other other thing, and I know maybe this has something to do with you, you know, your your Fat Beats history, but releasing this project on tape, I just, man, you know, I, I asked myself, number one, man, what happened to all of my tapes? I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't even, I know I had plenty of tapes, right? But to this day, I don't know what happened to them. I think once we went to CD, I just kind of like just threw them somewhere and didn't think about, you know, I didn't treat them like I treat vinyl for whatever reason. I don't right. know why. But um, yeah, they're just smaller and uh, yeah. you know, I guess they're easier to just toss somewhere and uh, you'll get back to them later. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I yeah. Um, I noticed the resurgence in tapes mm-hmm. um, in the last, you know, three or four years. And it's such a niche market. And, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I found out about this label in Maryland called I Had an Accident, and this guy, uh, Justin, who's the owner and founder, he just does quality work, and um, he was he was about it, and uh, we linked up, and um, we, we sold out. It's, it's almost gone. I have a, I have a few copies um, of my personal stash that, I, that I'm selling here and there, but, um, yeah, it was, I think it was... Uh, one of the best things that I could have done for this album, just the way it flowed and everything like that. Um, it came together really nice with that tape. Yeah, man. I just it, it gives you that um that that feel of nostalgia with it and, and just you know, it instantly takes you back to a time. Um you know, and, and I and I think also just the way you know, your level of production and, and sonically how it feels, it goes right along with tape. You know what I mean? Like there's there's some there's some records you just don't want to hear on anything other than an MP3 or a CD player. But you know, you have music that man, I want to I just want to, you know, cut on the record player and, and put the vinyl on it and the same thing with the tape. I want to hear that hiss. I want to hear all of those elements in the music. And I think that this album in particular was one of those ones that you can feel like that and it's it's kind of like it, it having that element of, of having it on tape creates a timeless feel. Because you can have it on tape and listen to it on tape, but you know that I can go out here and buy it on iTunes or, you know, get the, the digital copy of it as well. So it's just like having all of those different elements together really makes for a timeless project. The, um, you know, like I said with this podcast, man, I, I do want to kind of get into some of those um, some of those conversations about being a producer. Right. And sure. trying to figure out how to navigate um, your way through through this industry. Now, I'm, I'm for one that, that always have the conversation with producers, and I try to convey this to them as much as I possibly can by like making sure that you do your own work as opposed to playing that the uh, placement game, right? So when I see producers yeah. such as yourself put out their own project, you know, 
my eyes light up because I know what you're doing. You know what I mean? So for you, what what's kind of those those steps for you? Like, do you sit back and play that placement game? Um, do you do these projects? Like, why do you do these things? I never I never do the placement game. I feel like um, if I get a placement, it will be because someone in an artist camp heard my stuff and they said you should reach out to him. Um, I, I think that's just like, I don't know. I feel like that's like you have less chance doing that than winning the lottery. Cause mm. like if, if someone doesn't know you, they're not gonna, they're not gonna mess with you just because, you know, you sent them like 20, a batch of 20 beats. No one's gonna listen to that in my opinion. Um, so I, you know, I feel like I, I try to do what I can control. Um, gotcha. what I can control is what I put out. And um, I I would prefer to work on albums with one artist, but um, you know sometimes you have to do the producer producer album just to, to get your, your music out there, um, and hopefully things flow from that. Uh, but that's just that's my opinion. I mean, I know people that send beats like twenty batches of twenty beats to a hundred different artists and see if any stick. So that's just not. That, I feel like that's working aimlessly. Person. Yeah, no, no, I get it, dude. Like being a producer uh, myself is like I, I played that placement game for years, and it's kind of like you get burned out. Honestly, you know what I mean. It's, it's yeah, kind of like you get discouraged. Yeah, you get discouraged. You wonder if your stuff's good. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like sure. all of those things, and then you and then you also get in that that mindset of like, well, man, maybe I should change my sound to sound like everybody else, so I can get you know some attention. And it's like at that point, it's kind of like, oh, man, why are you doing it? You know what I mean? So yeah, I, yeah. I definitely encourage producers to really my, my my main tip to producers is just find one or two artists that you really rock with and and, you know, make as much music as you possibly can with them and craft their projects and put their projects out. If you look at yeah. all of the top producers in the game, they all broke with their own artists, you know, Timbaland and you got your missies with Timbaland. You got um you know, Just Blaze and, and Kanye and all of those people, they already had artists that they can really break and, and, and come out. Pharrell and the Neptune, I mean, Pharrell and um, the Neptunes and, and the Clips, all of those things. It's like you got to find an artist that really you rock with. Um, right. For you, what was the main difference between, like you say, you like working with um, doing projects with just one artist. What was that main difference between working with one artist and then this, you know, meticulous LP where you have a host of different artists on the project. Well, scheduling. Scheduling is like the main um, detraction from doing producer mm. albums because, you, you, you know, you can't just call somebody up and say, hey, you want to come through and record tonight? It's just not, doesn't work out that way. Um, but, yeah, like with one artist, you can, you know, always go, be going back and forth, uh, just talk about ideas. Um, and just have that uh, that one-on-one communication where you can build something uh, solid. But with you know you're you're doing ten, eleven tracks with two or three artists on each track, like you know that many times over, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult and it's a, it's a very uh, big test on your patience. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I understand that. Um, was there any? I guess with this and not trying to get in your pockets, but were there any financial challenges with doing an album of this magnitude? I mean, always, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I try to do 
build relationships. So you, there's there's sort of like a uh, an exchange mm-hmm. in terms of um, of that. But yeah, um, financially, I was I, you know I was approached by someone that wanted to do my vinyl, but they wanted another piece of it uh, as well. So I had the option of you know doing my vinyl and digital digital with someone or coming out of pocket. And I decided just to uh, hold off on the vinyl for now. And, um, you know, I had I had label uh, the label do the tape. And then um, I just did a minimal run of CDs and then uh, a few dollars here and there. I mean, it's, it's the most I've ever spent on a, a project, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's also, that is a challenge, man. you got to be prepared to uh, invest in yourself because you, you, no one else is going to invest in you if you don't invest in yourself. No man, that's 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 some great information, man. Um, I, I think that that component is kind of missed at times too. You know what I mean? Because you're as a producer, everybody knows that you can make beats. You know what I mean? Like, and, and for the most part, you know anybody that listens to your catalog know that you can make records. But it's like, man, how do you really get this stuff out to everybody to hear? Um, and and right. not, you know, fall on deaf ears, man. Like. Um, like for you, what what really prompted you to to make this um, this album, man? Because I know you you've worked on it for how how long did it take the the process? Um, I mean, I had I had all the all the tracks done for the most part, except for the um, except for the outro. That was the last um, record that I did because I wanted an instrumental thing to uh, end the album. But it took me roughly uh, between a year and a half and two years mm. from from the beginning of the first record completed until it was um, mixed and mastered. So yeah, it took, it took a little while longer than I wanted it to, for sure. Yeah, man, and, and you know, that that first question that I asked, like, you know, what really prompted you to um, to, to put this album together? You know, what, what was it that stood out um, for you? Because I, I thought after my EP and then a, a few of the free joints that I put out, I thought I was going to have an artist that, um, you know, we were going to do a full album together, like, but it just didn't work out that way. So I, um, I said, I'm going to have to do another, another producer record. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just basically how I, I just had a conversation with myself. I'm like, I'm not going to put anything out unless I do it myself. Mm. So, um, you know, and it, it ended up, I feel like this is my strongest, Yeah, man. You know, sometimes you got to make those um, those tough decisions. You know what I mean? To like, hey, do I want to put it all on the line here? Or do I want to kind of wait it out and see what else falls on the table? And, and like you said, I, I agree with that statement, man. Like now I haven't heard all of your catalog, but I think I've heard maybe like three or four different projects. And this is my favorite so far. You know what I mean? I know there's you have plenty of more um, left in the chamber and, and there are some other things that you, you want to get across with your music. But I, I'm definitely enjoying this project. And uh, just, you know, the feeling I, I got to order the tape, man. Um, I have one tape player in my house in my uh, stereo. But I, I think that, you know, for me, uh, me ordering the tape is not even really for me to play. it. That's more of a collector's item. And I think that's probably, you know, the, the goal of of releasing it on tape i mean i do the same with vinyl even though i do play a lot of my vinyl but um yeah i I think i gotta go ahead and do that man just to you know put put that support in and you know how can people that that want to connect with you and 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 want to if they do want to reach out and and get music what's the best way for people to connect with meticulous 
Um, as far as social media, you can hit me up on Twitter. It's uh, meticulous two one m a t i c u l o u s two one. Um, Facebook is meticulous music. Same with SoundCloud. Um, and if you want to, uh, speaking of the tape, if you purchase my tape on uh, Bandcamp, um, you get an immediate uh, digital download um, before you get the tape in the mail. So um, you get the digital version, and then you get the tape coming in the mail. It's uh, meticulous21.bandcamp.com. And I also have uh, I have the CD as well on there, and then I have my vinyl EP that Happy did in 2011. Dope, dope, man. Well, look, bro, I, I appreciate you calling in, man. And, you know, it's always a treat uh, to talk with you. You, you. You're definitely one of those producers that stand out in my book, man. Um, I, I would ask this, this. I appreciate that, bro. Oh, man, bro. Uh, hey, no problem at all, man. I would ask, you know, before you leave um, today, is there any advice, you know, if there if any that you can give to an upcoming producer, you know, in, in this um Trying to make it in this industry, man. Like, what kind of advice would you give them going forward? Um, that's a that's a tough question for me because I really have grown to dislike the industry, uh, and the reason I'm still here is because I love the music. So, if you really love making this music, um, you you'll be all right. Um, I think it, it sounds kind of corny, but um, you know, it's easy to quit. Um, but the, you know, if you love it enough, you're going to keep doing it because you have to. So, um, that would be my advice. Just love it and, uh, things will fall into place. Yeah, man, I, I I can't agree with you even more. That's that's some great advice, man. Well, look, I appreciate you calling in once again, man. It's Jay Good is straight out the den. Um, you guys, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, man. I can't stress it enough. We're giving some great information from some great people, and uh, hopefully it'll help you on your indie journey um, in music. So, you know, it's very simple. Subscribe. If you're listening on SoundCloud, y'all click the subscribe button. Uh, it's a very simple process. And by all means, rate and comment on the co- um, podcast. We need that information, too. Um, it's, it's helpful for us. We want to know if we're doing something right. If we're doing something wrong, we want to know that as well. So, um, But, yeah, man, Meticulous, I appreciate you uh, coming on the program. Give us that uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that social media one more time. Yeah, pleasure is mine, man. Uh, my uh, Instagram is just uh, Meticulous, M-A-T-I-C-U-L-O-U-S. And then the uh, Twitter is Meticulous21. Um, Facebook meticulous music and SoundCloud meticulous music. Dope, I think dope. That's it. That's it. That <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. Hey, man, it, it's Jay Good at Straight Out the Den. Um, you can follow me on all things social media at Straight Out the Den. S T R the number eight O U T D A D E N. And um, hey. Like I always say, man, if you're listening to this podcast and you got a dream, pray on that dream, research that dream, and work until that dream becomes reality. With that being said, I'm Jay Good at Straight Out of Den. He's meticulous. We out. Peace.